0: Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons & Dragons fix. I'm Eli Ode. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Meldon. And on this episode, we are doing a Bard retrospective, similar to our other retrospectives if you've seen them. So we will take a look at what a Bard is, uh, what where they started in the 5th edition, what they did through, through the ages, it's the past seven years, however, however long 5th edition's been out, um, and what we'd like to see in the future. And for this time, we brought along some help, Zip from Zipperon Disney. Say hi, Zip. Tell us about yourself.
1: Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive into the Bard, its history, and where it's going, and also uh, bring you know some insight into maybe my interpretation or my variant of it. I am a YouTuber most famous for my channel, Zipperon Disney, where I go over advanced dungeon master techniques. Uh, rather than go like, you know, top 10 spells or deadliest monsters, uh, my channel's focused on narrative design, uh, game design, and it's for people who really want to take their skills to the next level, talking about rare or esoteric uh, topics. I am also an RPG publisher, and the bar we're going to be over, going over, is found in my book, Galder's Gazetteer, where it's one of a dozen uh, variant classes, and all the proceeds from the book go to the Cancer Research Institute, link below. Definitely. Definitely link below. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can say that for any link too. And Ellie has to do it. That's just like yep. a fact.
0: It's a law. Yeah. I didn't yeah.
1: say I was going to do that ahead of time. So like an ambush right there. All right. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I could just cut you out, cut it out saying that. Oh no, we're not Ooh. live. That's
1: right.
2: <laughs> and the power of the editor.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: All right. So then, yeah, with that said, thank you so much for joining. i I've uh, been, fan of your channel for quite some time here so it's good to get you on and get you talking about something so you know this is it i i think i offered up to you originally monks and you were like nah i don't want to talk about monks i want to talk about bards so you better bring it (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well I uh, let, let's go uh <laughs> all
2: right so lead let let's start off with just you know kind of what the, the concept of a bard is and and what it means to to us what it means to the community uh and, and generally what we hear I mean I know there's there's always the the jokes of the the horny bard which of course brings up specific imagery of of what people have of their character ideas but there's so much more to that um so let's start with Will haven't heard anything from you. What does a bard mean to you?
3: Just it's a worse version of warlocks to me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, you just say that about everything, though. You said it about paladins. You said it about about wizards.
3: Yeah. yeah all right.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, Ellie, what do you feel about bards? <laughs>
3: all
0: right. I love the bard. Um, it's actually my favorite class. I need to like get away from playing them because I play them too much in fifth edition. I I, very classically either they bring their power through music, but I I like how it doesn't have to be that. Generally sort of any sort of performance oration, just strong silver tongue, any anything like that. According to the official lore within the player handbook, they they pull their power from the song of creation. Um they think those words echo through time and they could tap into it through their musical instruments, through their poems, through the performances, whatever it is. And they're a jack of all trades. They're versatile class. They are full spellcasters with a ton of utility and supports, but could also hold their own in combat, depending on how you want to play them.
2: They're, they're great. I love bards. And Zip, what's a, what's a bard mean to you?
1: Well, it, it means a lot of different things. Uh, we can talk about how I initially came to view bards in fantasy and like how I initially approached them, what I know about the history of bards uh, and how they progress through the game, or like what I think about bards in 5th uh, edition. What I think about Bards yeah. in 5th edition is, you know, they have a very strong case for being the the best class, right? Uh, full caster, uh, best support character, uh, and you know, really, really clutch abilities all the time.
2: Yeah, one of the things I thought was actually kind of interesting is when I was doing a bit of research for this, I, you know, just looked up, like, oh, general community thoughts about the Bard. And there's a lot of stuff that was like, oh, Bards are ranked, like, 6th or lower in terms of, like, the best class, which is, I mean... A t- <laughs> I'm never gonna I didn't trust a list yeah, yeah I would never trust a list that says the best or worst class it means nothing but the idea of saying that it's like yeah sixth or lower like putting it like ninth or whatever it's like I feel like we've played entirely different classes the the all around abilities of the bard are just they they can almost be overwhelming and, and a lot of times they can almost feel too strong in fifth edition the only thing that they Lack is single target damage, which isn't everything in this game by by any means. Um, say they're they're able to create a bunch of different character concepts. Uh, you can be the spy, you can be the traveling minstrel, you can be so many different things in this one class, and and fill so many different roles depending on either what your party needs or just what you want to do. And I feel like it's hard to make a bad bard so it's just, it just is interesting to me to see that anybody would say that they're anything other than than good um, I
1: mean just mechanics aside they fill a very strong role in the, the story of the world right I think mm-hmm. uh, people know you know for better or worse what a bard is and where it, uh, it's, it belongs in this you know sort of vanilla general fantasy setting we, uh, we have this idea we know they're supposed to be the, the comic relief they're, they're supposed to be the ones who like you know carry lore around uh, and so I think they're, you know, supposed to be the, the actors, the, the the minstrels, the, you know, musicians, what have you. And I think that carries a lot of weight for the class, too. I think that does a lot of lifting about how people played the class and what sort of things they can expect from it.
2: Yeah. And you were mentioning kind of more the the like general history of the class. I know that they originally came around in first edition and it was kind of. Hilarious how you could even become a bard. If I'm getting it right, you had to take five levels in fighter, and then five levels in rogue, but like no more than five, because if it was more than five, you couldn't go into it. And then at that point you had to also then go into cleric levels specifically with a druidic focus. And then you were what? considered a bard.
1: <laughs> yeah, some that whole uh chain of events had to happen. And you had to be <laughs> and you had to be neutral too. You couldn't be you couldn't be lawful. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: It'd be neutral, and your stats had to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. If I remember, it was it's like, I don't have the exact numbers in front of but it. It's like 15, 16, 19, and 15, and it's like, that's your minimum that you ha- need to have to be able to go into a bard. Uh,
1: my understanding, I don't have any any reference for this. This could just be folklore, is that uh, Guyax c- couldn't stand this idea, right? Uh, he liked, you know, much more serious, uh, much more grounded, you know, grounded fantasy. Uh, and so, this idea of having you know people with like feathers in their caps who just played a lute and you know sang songs and made magic happen, he thought was silly. And so, he made it as hard as possible to get one of these things in the game. <laughs> I don't know I if that's true that. or not, but I, the... I believe it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm disappointed in his narrow mindedness on it though, because like it not it doesn't have to be that. They don't have to be the minstrels with the feathers who are like the schmoozy, drunk, horny bards. They could absolutely be like edgy, dark spies. Their, their performance that they pull their magic from could be the deception they
2: do to the world.
0: It doesn't, well, you don't you know, need to be me the cheesy performers.
2: So you have to keep in mind, we're also talking many, many moons ago. It's not like, right. oh yes, the our modern interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's uh, all right. he experienced and he had a lot of control over, I mean, again, it is for potentially folklore, so I don't want to speak with any
1: right. permanence well, yeah, For sure. So, yeah, before we get into maybe into the folklore, I think what would be interesting is like go sure. back among like how were you introduced to the bard? Like, you know, search your memory, go back and say, OK, when was the first time this idea of a music player in a fantasy world with magic got introduced into your head? Like, when was the first time you came across that concept?
2: Man, that's a really good question, but I, I hate to say it. I think the first time was actually at our D&D table with with Ellie playing a bard for me personally, because mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah. it's not something that I I can it's not brought up in a lot of popular culture in the same way that you could, anybody could say, oh, my first introduction of a, a fighter. It's like, that's a knight. You know, that's that's basic. Right.
0: Um, or wizard. It's,
2: yeah. Wizard. Any any of those, uh, even a paladin, I think you could search your mind and find a lot of examples. I don't think a bard is what I'd consider an extremely popular figure in the terms of somebody who plays music and magic happens because of that, that music
3: i would say that that is a lot less true today than it was when say i was growing up in the 90s and early 2000s we these days it's it's getting like kind of everywhere like the witcher netflix series that's like a main character so but even jess has changed a lot
2: but even jess is isn't yeah he's not magical he just he's he's just just a bard.
1: yeah i mean he still plays a support role i guess you know maybe magicals maybe that's too far of a qualifier uh is he good at anything
0: Jess gear? Adventuring he's, wise. I haven't seen the second season, but regardless in the first of season, the, the like, show, adventuring wise, like he could sing and that was
2: about it. In the books, he is he is a very okay. good persuader. I mean he's a silver tongue. I think that's what okay. to say.
1: Yeah, so nowadays I guess there are definitely more uh bards in, you know pop culture. But I think I think I'm similar to my first real interaction with bards in uh you know sort of a medieval setting, besides that rooster in the Robin Hood
3: cartoon. Uh that's what I was thinking about. I was like, "Oh, what is in my mind?" It's the rooster, <laughs> uh, and you know, you know, uh, the one who sings about
1: Sir Robin and Monty Python was probably in role-playing games. Like, I played the Lord of the Rings role-playing game, and minstrels are class there. And I thought that was kind of like strange. Like, you're a person who plays an instrument. That's you don't have a bow or a sword. Like, what are you doing? And then I think that the next thing was in the three five or third edition player's handbook, right? When they talk about what a bard is. And so I think I really only understand this, you know, Bard as an adventurer uh, in the context of role-playing games.
0: I think that's the main thing. Like, I've definitely ran into him in video games, a lot of CRPGs, but I think it's just pulling it out of D&D and other TTRPGs. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also known him as the butt of the joke before 5th edition. Uh, because I think in other editions, I, I played a little bit of 3.5. I'd never played a bard in that. I'd never seen anyone play a bard in that for a little bit. I did play. I, my understanding is they were pretty terrible. And I think it took a while for that um, reputation to improve.
1: Yeah. Seen I don't think I've ever ran into a horny bard in real life. I think it's I don't only think I ever I through either. memes.
2: Yes. And that's yeah. just grown to such a large size that it's just, I, I don't know. I don't think it actually happens. I'm sure it does. Obviously, I'm sure there's, it does. there's there's the, people
0: who want to who ban bards from their table because it's such a problem for them.
2: That's that's a different issue. I mean, that's um,
0: really more like a talk <laughs> to your player issue, right. But
2: it is still <laughs> um, one other example that uh, I, I got up here is uh, Chaucer from A Knight's Tale. Oh. Is anyone else yes. super in love with that movie or is it just I me? just
0: watched it again like two weeks ago. Okay,
2: yeah, so very relevant. I, I mean, um, yeah. So he is obviously not going to be your playing music bard, but he's exactly what I would think of if I was trying to put together an orator bard yes. who is just, can stand up on a table and can just get everybody to focus on them. And from that, I mean, to the extent that magic literally happens, like, yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, so that's that's like that is going to be my future go-to for like, what's a, a good example of a, a bard who Non-musical doesn't play magic. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, like the, the clown is a great archetype, right? Like it's a, it's a classic thing to have in storytelling. It definitely serves a, a, a purpose. And so that's why I think it, you know, it, it fits nicely. Uh, It fits nicely in there. So cause I think pulling from folklore, our options are pretty limited, right? We know that there were, you know, bards in, you know, real life or, You know, that's my English teacher, ninth grade English teacher is lying to me, right? They went around uh, Scandinavia and, you know, pre-conquest England and, you know, would play their songs to get bells for rewards and slept in meat halls and stuff.
2: What a life. That sounds cozy.
1: I think (laughs) there are some myths of like uh, like Celtic bards, like singing songs that would knit together the wounds of their allies. Uh, Yes.
2: Yeah, that's, I think, a lot where the original uh, bard in like first and second edition kind of got inspired from or at least i think the the terms for it as they get brought up all at the skalds i think I'm, I'm saying that right s-k-a-l-d okay. i don't know
0: skald it's a scald. yep often named poets who compose skaldic poetry one of the two kinds of old nose porch old norse poetry the so, attic
1: poetry, you
2: know. yeah, okay. So that's again more of the, the orator side, but um,
1: yeah, so you know, the, the archetype of a bard as it found its way into Dungeons and Dragons is sort of a loose mashup of all sorts of weird, different things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially mm-hmm. even like we get in first edition, they're supposed to be part fighter, right, and part rogue because they have to be like you know, sort of like sneaky thieves and not trustworthy, they're kind of rapscallions and scoundrels going from town to town, uh, but they also learn you know, some magic, right? Because apparently. After enough time, you, you know your your words become power, and I think that's really the, uh, the the big conceptual leap right here, right? That didn't necessarily need to be the case. They could have made this all mundane abilities, right? Like uh, in a knight's tale, you just jump up on the table and you know spout a good speech, in. for all practical purpose, magic does happen, right? Uh, but they didn't. They decided to lean into this arcane element, which makes sense in a fantasy world, and I think that's that's a really great conceptual leap that. You know, I think is worthy of a uh, some appreciation right there.
2: Totally. Yeah, it's it's really neat. It's, it's how fifth edition handles it. A lot of it has to deal with the the revolving around the concept of the, the uh, song of creation and pulling from that song of creation to obviously create more magic. Mm-hmm. Um, to to some extent, I do think it's a little funny that I guess with the more they get described, the more I think about them, the more I'm like. The fact that they're a full caster always feels a bit weird to me, like just from that, that concept um, of them just, you know, having power of them being able to uh, persuade people and, and like more of a charismatic pool um, that I guess I'll probably end up getting into a, a little bit later here. But um, well, they were always full casters in the
1: history of the game
2: until the second edition. Basically, from then on, they just hit the ground as full casters. So it was only first edition that they weren't.
1: Well, in third edition, they only ever get six level spells.
2: Oh, okay. So they had a cap?
1: Yeah, they're two thirds casters in uh, third edition.
2: Okay. That I didn't know, mm-hmm. as I didn't play third edition.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then so in fourth edition, well, so yeah, in uh, well, second edition, they really come out of this sort of, you know, we're the jack of all trades class. You're going to get a little bit of your, it sort of kept the idea of what it was in that weird prestige class thing, but it added all this other stuff. Okay, you get a little bit of uh, everything. You have a huge, huge skill list. You can get some magic and uh, you can do some sort of that sort of, you know, beguiles or charms creatures. It was sort of, well, we're going to have an illusionist wizard, but you're also going to sort of fill the general role of an illusionist. At least that's my so interpretation with, of third edition.
2: That's, that's good info. As I said, I don't know. I haven't played third edition, so that sounds good to me. <laughs> um. Now, with all that said, I mean, just I think we've talked a lot about what what a bard is now in terms of things people like and dislike. I mean, there's some classes like the ranger, for example, where people will have tons and tons of conversations about what people like about rangers, what they dislike, mostly what they dislike. Um, But I feel like you don't see that as much with bards. Is there anything that really jumps out to you about what people like? It's just we'll even say strictly mechanically speaking of what people like about the bard in fifth edition.
1: Uh, they like that Bardic Inspiration breaks bounded accuracy. They like the fact that it's a full caster. They like the fact that you can get magical secrets and choose from any uh, class of spell. And they like the fact that the subclass features are really juicy. Yeah, absolutely. I that that's, summarizes it great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's kind of hit or miss. So it's, it's kind of a love-hate for play. I think everybody loves to have a bard in their party. Because a lot of that's around support. I, I think a lot of people don't like the idea of playing a bard because it is just support. And a lot of people don't want that. Mm-hmm. They want the big damage or they want to be tanky and meaty and right up in, in things. And bards aren't that. In a lot of ways, I think they could be one of the most dangerous players on a battlefield in 5th edition.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. But it's more
0: about the manipulation, the making it really mm-hmm. hard for the enemies or bolstering their allies so well. Where with the presence of the bard can make or break the fight and exactly how they play, but it's subtle, it's manipulation, it's support, and I think that does turn a lot of people off of it,
1: oh, yeah, I mean, you have to have a player who who wants to do that right you have to have a player who has mm-hmm. their play experience completely filled if they're playing that support role, like if I'm taking my turn and I'm helping my allies out, I am and that makes me happy, I should be a bard,
0: yep. <laughs> And yeah, that that's me a lot of times. I, I like to be the sport. I like to be like the one that has the the clutch spell and the <laughs> big moment that
2: turns the tides. Yeah, it wasn't um I think only recently is obviously not a bard, but I played an artificer that was specifically with the intent of being a support class. And I still remember, like, the very first combat we had, I was like, oh, I'm going to swing. I'm going to do some damage. And I was like, oh, I suck at this. Like, I missed one of my attacks and then boom, that's just the end of my turn. And once I realized, like, oh, let me lean into the actual support aspect, how I built this character. um, It is a it's a really good time being able to kind of go back in your head. Through the entire fight and being like, oh, yeah, that's right. They hit because of my bard inspiration, or because I hasted them, they had an additional attack, or because they had this, this, this. You know, just kind of going right. back through your head of everything that you did that affected the fight is is honestly really satisfying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think by the bard spell backs that up, spell list backs it up as well, uh, because there's very little damage spells on the bard list.
2: Yeah, I mean, even look at their, their only damage cantrip, I think, is uh, Vicious Mockery. Is
0: that the only one? I was just about to mom,
1: Yeah, and that's like the the classic, that's the cantrip for Bards. Like, it's the one that you're expecting. Uh, yeah, save. only Bards get it. Yeah, it's a fun one. Oh, it's yeah.
2: fun, but it does, what, a D4 damage? Yeah, it, it's it, a D4, it's... and
1: that imposes
0: disadvantage on their next attack. Which is uh, definitely the most important thing. Yeah. So thunderclap and vicious Bakery are there two damage cantrips in terms of damage spells?
1: I mean, imposing there's a, like indirect yeah.
0: damage. <laughs> what
1: are you gonna say? I was saying like uh, again, right? It's imposing disadvantage is huge, right? That's you know possibly negating you know ten points of damage, which is much better than having a slightly bigger uh, damage die on the on the spell. And again, it fits the role what the bard's supposed to do be that support class. I mean, there's a you know we could have a conversation about. You know, game design theory is like, okay, should this one particular story be tied to this one particular play style, right? Uh, but the way it's presented here, that, that that's the way it works. If you want to be a support class, you got to be the one who's also, you know, doing the music and doing the the, the fun. Well, I guess you could be a, you could be a tragic part, I guess. You could just recite yeah. like, you know, like eulogies the whole time, like really depressing, you know, free blank verse poem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's
2: kind of what I love about it. I mean, I think that's something I've seen a lot recently is people exploring that idea of like, well, okay, if if performance is really the Mm -hmm. only anchor we have here, there's a lot you can do with that. I mean, you can be the the sad emo boy reading poetry Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that that can be a bard too.
1: But still, it's worth pointing out that that goes against type in a way that a fighter would never do. Right, right.
0: Oh, what do you mean by that?
1: That I mean that you could be both the uh, the happy-go-lucky fighter, or you could also be the, the droll-depressive fighter. And I, both right. of those sort of fit the, the idea of, okay, I'm going to be the one in the front line dealing the most damage, taking the most hits.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Where a bard, you do kind of get that immediate imagery of them being more plucky. So mm-hmm. to sp-
3: yeah, exactly. Excuse my pun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, with that... Let's kind of just jump into the the actual class. Take a look at that, um, and starting with the the player's handbook. All right, so yeah, the the bard itself, I mean, is is definitely a class that hasn't been through major revisions in, uh, in I guess throughout the course of five e. The subclasses have generally stayed pretty consistent with the the themes. Mm-hmm. There is bardic inspiration, which is as Zip mentioned, one of the Things people love about the bard, and that's your ability to manipulate roles. Uh, generally, it's given as a bonus action if it's you know, going to be in combat. Uh, and the the basics of it is that you can just improve any ability check, saving throw, attack roll. Attack Save, roll. Throw. Yeah. Those are the, the three, right? Ability yep. check, attack roll, saving throw. For the yeah,
0: base bark inspiration. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, and then of course your your subclass, whichever you have, allows you to. You know, if you're a lore bard, which we'll we'll get to. You know, you can use cutting words, and that subtracts from a enemy's attack roll. Um, and each subclass gets its own kind of unique one, um, but you know, it's not like we've seen any like major changes to that formula and unlike you know the ranger which has had a bunch of optional class features or right and some
0: really really powerful subclasses that came out after the player's handbook to make up for the weak core now wizards of the coast knew the bard was solid they didn't they just stayed the course there's okay i was gonna say there's no bad bards but we'll get to that I, i think i think in xanath there's there's a bad bard or two but
2: uh, there's definitely some argument to be made about valor bards too which I'm sure we'll get to uh, yeah. but the as as for base bard features I mean obviously bardic inspiration is a, a big one um, but otherwise I mean we've talked about them being jack of all trades they literally have an ability called <laughs> jack of all trades that allows right. them to get half their proficiency bonus towards any skills they are not proficient in uh, which just right away makes them
1: a skill monkey oh no I mean, no 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 it's more powerful oh. than that it's not a okay. skill, or not proficient, in any ability check, which includes things like right. initiative, includes things initiative. like counterspell. Yeah.
2: Yes, that's a great point. Initiative, I always remember. Counterspell, I always forget. <laughs> right. Which I think we would need, then,
1: we'll circle back to the counterspell in a second.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I say the, the only thing that I look at from the base class of the bard that I'm like, eh, that's not too great, is counter charm which is their their six-level ability, where they can spend an entire action to give advantage on friendly creatures within 30 feet on saving throws against being frightened or charmed. And that's...
0: Yeah, it's a crappy ability. I I don't even know if it's worth that much time talking. That's like their one super weak one.
1: Yeah, they... It's one in, of those things the that they, it's a legacy ability, right? They have to put something like that in there because that's what bars in all the previous editions that had something to do. And again, it sort of fits the idea of what you're, you know, the, the musician is going to do for you. They're going to rally the the troops. Right. And so something like right. that has to be in there, but yeah, I think they it's, it's, it's a bad ability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like mechanically it's, it's it not is. worth it.
2: No, it's not worth it. I've, I don't think I've ever honestly seen it used at a table I've played and, I, I am just curious to see, like, you know, if this if the Bard was re-released today, what that ability would look like, because I, I feel like, you know, anybody after this many years in fifth edition would look at that and just say, that's not good. We don't need that.
1: So right. it's worth noting that the Bard only got uh, two versions of the public of a, the public play test, right? Mm. They released it in the ninth play test. It's either the ninth or the tenth play test packet. Uh, they gave like a version of a half caster bard and then they released it in the uh, the alpha draft and said okay here's the uh the the regular bard and that's uh that that's all we got for you know chances to to get feedback and during that change they switched and, it from the half caster to the full caster i think they left pretty much everything else alone
0: yeah oh wow i was going to say yeah like, only only two options chances and only one real stinker got through that's pretty good yeah. song <laughs> Rest is middling one extra d6 is in a little weak i think it could be made a little
1: stronger but you don't really need the boost, so that's fine. Yeah. So something else that's sort of uh, interesting about the bar, you know, mechanically how it's designed, is that it switches, or at least halfway through, it starts picking up a lot more power from its short rests, right? It's a full caster, so at you think, fifth. yep, you, you're, you're expecting your full caster, uh, you're going to get most of things, your long rest recharge. But then you give you Song of Rest, which is, you know, a nice boost if everyone around you is short resting. And then uh, at fifth level, you get all your bar inspiration back at a short rest instead of a long one. And so that's sort of an interesting sort of change of pace in the bard as you level, which I don't really think we see a lot of yeah. in other classes.
0: Yeah, that one's always stuck out as me, too, because that's huge. Um, because you feel really limited on your bardic inspirations without that. Because you use them a lot. Like, I like to hand them out. You, you should be. like candy. It's like, yeah, you yeah. should be. It's what your thing is. Or you use them as part of your class. You like, cutting words so if you're a lore bard, use them all the time. And then all of a sudden you're out for the adventure day because... I'm blanking. How many do you get? <laughs> uh, equal
2: charisma. to your proficiency? Charisma modifier. Modifier. That charisma. That yeah. was it. Proficiency is, is new one. It's not proficiency.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> charisma modifier. Yeah. So at yeah you know, level one, you probably have, you got three of these. At level four, then you can get four of them. Per long rest is pretty weak. Then four per short rest is great. Mm-hmm. That's enough.
2: Yeah, it is, though. It's a huge power jump just even at fifth level. And
0: well then that's what fifth level is in fifth edition.
2: it's the the power
0: jump. Uh, very much so. There's a huge difference between fourth and fifth.
2: Yeah, but um, a lot of classes, though I'm not saying nobody nobody else gets other, you know, like clerics get other stuff at fifth level, yeah. but a big part well, of it is like you can cast third level spells now. And like yeah. that alone is the power jump for like a wizard.
0: Right. And so bards get that as well, but they don't have the breadth of a spell as, say, a wizard sure. does. Um pretty much all marshals get their extra attack then. Which really opens it up, and then bards get yeah this. though no, then they also could get extra tech at 6, depending on their subclass. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, they get their. They get a lot, and at fifth level, they also get their third level spells because they're full caster. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, going back, something that we forgot to mention about their their skills is not only do they the dackel trades they get access to the entire skill list when they're picking their skills when they uh, join the bard oh, class.
0: Right, and they point. get yeah, three you choose of them. any three. Right, it's crazy, and they get and expertise. If you go yeah. Yeah. And then if you go low bard, you get another three. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's something yeah. They're, they're, nice, they're great at, at skills. Like they that, compete
0: right. with rogues. I, I think rogues get them beat later on because of reliable talent. But that's about it. But in terms of like the number of skills had, yeah, bards. Oh, no. Sorry. Rogues get four skills, but it's from a more limited list. Mm
1: hmm. So there's uh, something right there. They get. Uh, so in two parts of the game where you're really trying to, uh, you know, with sort of a good measure of your power, right? A Full caster and you're sort of a master of the, the skill check. And you can even manipulate that even further with uh, the bardic inspiration, not for you, but for everyone else around you. Right. Everyone else gets better at skill checks because you're also good at skill checks. It's kind of cool.
2: And, and you still get a higher hit die than some of your other full casters, wizards and sorcerers. Right. And yeah, yeah. you can wear armor.
0: Yeah, just light armor right out the bat. Insert a subclass that will give you medium.
1: And a shield. Alright, so this this is... So so there is one thing that I think is kind of uh, annoying about bards, right? Um, And this is when we go into the the magical secrets, right? Uh, Because I feel feel you have to get counterspell. I don't feel there's much of an (laughs) option except for going to wizard and getting counterspell. Like, feel free to, to make to make an argument otherwise, but I think that's.
0: I've definitely skipped counterspell. Um, that or like I said, I've played a lot of bars. In my first bards with right, if we got to that, I was often lower bards. Like when we got to six, um, I would take counterspell and, and just to cover real quick in case someone's not not familiar. Magical secrets is uh, they get all bards get it at tenth, and then another pick at fourteenth and eighteenth. Lower bards get it at six, and they can pick a two spells from any class. In the game, as long as they meet their level requirement, so that's also like another huge major feature comes online later on level. Another huge power jump for parts, and really speaks into that jack of all trades kind of this huge just versatility to them. But yeah, specifically mm-hmm. of counterspell, I, I found it's really campaign specific on what you're fighting because there's a lot of monsters with magical abilities that are technically not spells. And I've there's definitely been a lot of times I was like, all right, I'm going to pick counterspell and. And have not been able to use it a lot because it's specifically
1: spells that's true that's true you you know hugely uh d m dependent right you could have a game we don't have a lot yeah. of any spell casters, but I think I'm assuming they're in like you know pretty vanilla d and d and I think most of the published adventures, uh most of the major foes have the spell casting trait uh. And so the ability to do that, not only you know, grab counterspell, which is you know the best reaction in the game, but to do so mm-hmm. with your Jack of All Trades which makes you better at counterspelling than anybody else. Uh and
2: I, yeah, I think it's talk about that interaction more because I you, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, that's just the fact that when you get to make an ability check on mm-hmm. countering the spell. Um, and so that's your charisma modifier plus do you get add proficiency in that case? Yes, you would. And then Oh, no, no, you you don't, because you normally don't get your proficiency bonus. Yes, but because
1: you are a jack of all trades, you're you're, adding half your proficiency bonus to that. Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, so, I mean, that's obviously much better. Talking about getting plus seven or so at regular levels of play is fantastic for for counterspell. When you really don't generally need to get that high.
0: Yeah, the DC is 10 plus the spell level if it's over third. So 14, 15. Sixteen plus seven's really good.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so I think that also I think we can't help but mention that uh, this was really brought to focus with Sam Regal in Critical Role, right? Uh, his bar—that's you know the pro- scandal, the most you know watched one, obviously on any stream. Uh, counter spells constantly and probably did
2: horrible things for the horny bard, Imus. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, of course they're they're playing archetypes. Uh, yeah, super horny bard, and like even seen in the show, and yeah, even mm-hmm. in the cartoon you see him. You know, casting counterspell, something that's the equivalent of counterspell, like stopping an enemy spellcaster. And so I think that has sort of got locked in now to what the bard does in the fiction. I think that we have hit a new that's shift, a that this is now part of our popular imagination of what a bard does.
2: Right. In the same way, so, Ellie, you were saying that, like, yes, you've played bards that don't have counterspell, perfectly valid, mm-hmm. but I think it's also safe to assume that that is against what you'd expect. It's almost like a warlock not taking eldritch blast. Yes, you can build a warlock without eldritch blast. It's not built into the class features itself, but when the opportunity arises, you're you're really good at it. You're just good at it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a strong pick, and I I do. Yeah, really, it's eldritch blast is a good comparison because it kind of does feel like you're almost missing something if you're not taking it, and that kind of sucks.
3: Yeah. Which is actually, I mean, that's the, the oddity, right? You've got Counter Charm as a bard, which we've all decided sucks because it, well, sucks. You know what would make it suck a little bit less? If it behaved like Counterspell. It feels yeah, like do should it has
1: a reaction right? to someone getting charm yeah. frightened. Boom. Hey, that's yeah. in my
2: notes. I'm scratching that off now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it would yeah. be a good change. Yes, Counter Charm is a reaction for one specific person. It just seems like all that you would need and it, it would be fantastic
1: all right so what other changes at. would you make to the bar like what do you want to see it look like going going forward
2: not yet though so i'm sure there's i'm sure there's more <laughs> don't get ahead of things oh, we got plenty of time <laughs> it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah we usually um, cover like kind of what it is now and then it's where everything but with that say let's say I think we talked about lore bard a good amount as as I think what what is needed to talk about though is valor um uh, because valor was in the player's handbook and was one of the mm-hmm. other subclasses and i think generally fell fell pretty flat i mean this was the martial bard and they released the college of swords in the next book that basically usurped it as the martial bard and i i don't think i've really seen much valor bard since um right. and that obviously is is the imagery of a sword slinging bard which in the same way it's like I can't think in of any reference in pop culture to a sword singing slinging bard but it's in tabletops so hey there's some some fiction for you um,
0: Leliana in Dragon Age which is series. kind
2: of referenced from TTRPGs but you're right you're right it sure, is sure but I mean yeah. that,
0: that came out before I'm fairly certain it came out before 5th edition and I think we 5th
2: oh yeah but Bards almost valid, originally yeah. start with, like, again, going back to first edition, the right. concept that you need to be a fighter and a rogue. They've always had that idea of, I guess, having some martial capabilities.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of times it's seen as ranged, a hand crossbow, a dagger to throw, kind, kind of minor stuff when needed. And the Bard just kind of takes it to another level. I, I don't hate the, the roleplay of it, the idea mm-hmm. of it. I, I do agree the execution of the valor bar is not great. It makes for an okay multi class. I, I successfully did that with the rogue. So I was a rogue with some charisma based spell oh. casting and medium armor and shields and all martial weapons. And extra so, like, attack and sneak anyways. attack.
1: That's nice. Yep. Extra attack at six. Yep. And that's that's so the real problem, for that right? Is that the, the extra yeah. attack competes with your spell casting action, right? Mm hmm. So how do they yeah, fix in, that in the the swords bard?
2: <laughs> I think a, a lot of it was I mean there was the the oddity of your um, your bonus proficiencies gave you medium armor shields and a martial weapon and the shields and a martial weapon are kind of difficult when you also need a spellcasting focus because you can't use your sword or your shield as a spellcasting focus without warcaster and swords fix that by allowing you to use your martial weapon as your uh, as your spell casting focus, which was one really—I mean—that just seemed like kind of a, an obvious change to me.
1: I just love that right. idea of having like the the bar like wave his, wave his rapier around like a conductor's baton.
2: I love it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also get a fighting style, dueling or two weapon fighting, so it's limited, but they do get get that. And then the blade flourishes are just cool. So the Valor Bard's use of bardic inspiration is just a combat inspiration. It just increases what it can be used for. So that it could be added to damage rolls made with weapons attacks, which in my mind is the worst use of it. It's like I'd rather be used to on an attack roll to see if you're going to hit or not, or against a save. The base one doesn't work against
2: saves, does it? Base one works uh, increasing saves, yeah. You can increase saves. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay,
0: I knew that. I know, I always mix that up too. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah, there's just too many little. Little, little nuances of what it's for.
2: right. It's um, like, oh yeah, in this part, you can, uh, you can add a uh, D8 to their persuasion roll if it's May. If it's May, yeah. you can do that.
3: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so adding a, a 1D6 to an attack roll is usually not as good as a 1D6 to, I'm sorry, a 1D6 to damage is usually not as good as a 1D6 to your attack roll or against a save, you really need a pass. It's usually worth saving it. Um, they do can use it as a reaction at AC against one attack. That's cool. I'll give them that. That's great. Um, so it's like a one okay use. It just kind of makes it slightly better. Where the sword bars get the blade flourishes, where when they actually hit, they can expend a bard inspiration to do different things, like a defensive flourish, slashing, or a mobile flourish, um, where they like hit multiple things or do additional damage based on the bard inspiration and, and add AC until the start of your next turn or be able to like push them away and move them on opportunity attacks. Stuff yeah, like it was, that. It really feels more, Marshall, makes them feel like, oh, okay, they're actually good with a blade. We're not just saying they're proficient with it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a merging of the, the Battlemaster and Bard.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and the flavor's nice too, calling it a flourish. That really, uh, that works.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it it more so than than just the the Valor Bard's kind of mechanical falling flatness, I think that even just the, the flavor of it just doesn't really it doesn't sing to me again, just horrible puns here. I'm sorry. Um, but the, the the college of swords, as you said, it, it gives great imagery. That idea of them kind of their, their sword work is a performance. And that, I mean, it's of course brings up imagery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I do like the idea of the performance aspect. Maybe there's nothing auditory about it. Audio audio, auditory. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's (laughs) just like, it's their steps. In battle, it's how they move and hold themselves in their sword. It is their performance that they pull the magic from the power of creation? They're not singing, they're not reciting poetry, or doing stirring speeches. It's their physical movement, and I think the sword bard can embody that really well.
1: Yeah, the best twerkers around. That's that's the real magic, <laughs> of course. That's... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I meant.
3: <laughs> you think that's crass? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, in terms of the the other subclasses added in Xanathar's, we have the College of Glamour, uh, which is kind of a focus on the the Fey magic aspect, and and really digs into that performing idea. Which I feel like when when I first thought of a Bard and saw the College of Glamour, I was like, well, that's what a Bard is. It's already It's already done. We got it. But then, you know, looking at the Lore Bard, the College of Valor as like those original player's handbook subclasses, the College of Glamour really just takes the Bard and amplifies that even more. And I do appreciate subclasses that fall into that domain where it's like, I'm the main class, but more of it. It's that one aspect
0: of the Bard. It ignores the fighting, the martial aspects. Um, It's... (laughs) So when I said there's like one kind of bad bard subclass in my mind, it's this one. I don't I don't think it's that great. I think mechanically it's kind of weak and uninteresting. It's a lot of middling abilities, and it also brings up to me some just some kind of weird moral things because, because it's, it's all about the magical the manipulation charm. of those around you to force them to do what you want. And it's like that that that, that kind of glamour stuff within D and D never sits right. And it's like other things could do it. There's glamour spells, charm person, and things like that. And it was just I always feels a little weird to me like i can't play I, I can't bring myself to play a good aligned character who uses that stuff and the because of that I, i'm not a huge fan of the glamour bard. and like i said it's also just kind of mechanically middling compared to the other ones and then uh, the eloquence bard and um mythic guides Mythic Odyssey Theros, which we'll get to in a little bit, I think kind of blows it out of the water in that same space without being like magically taking over people.
2: And I'm okay with that too. Cause yes, yeah. I, I agree. I I do like the the I I guess attempt. Um, but yes, looking past the the third level abilities is like, oh right, yeah, that that is the rest of it. I mean, being able to cast command without expending a spell slot, which is I don't really love this command spell, regardless of moral implications. I just don't think it's that amazing. Um, but casting as a bonus action on each of your turns without expending a spell slot is something. But I guess it makes the command spell OK. But overall,
1: yeah, yeah. it's kind of middling. Yeah, I mean, the Glamour Bar is also supposed to be like the the Fae Bard too, right? right. like it's supposed to be like, uh, like extra extra on that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They craft in their vibrant realm of the Feywild, mm-hmm.
1: and so like a way to think of it is you're, like overwhelming the the target with emotion, uh, which I think is you were channeling yeah. that sort of spear of the Fey into them, which I think serves like a, a legitimate story purpose.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I guess one way that I could um, think of a a way that. Makes it a little less crappy is in the the Mistborn series, which I don't know if anybody here is familiar with that, but not entirely important. Uh, It's a book by Brandon Sanderson, and in that there is a totally different magic system, but there is a way to manipulate emotions where the specific method is enhancing emotions already there. Um, and so people will do it, and it's it 's a matter of taking what this this person 's already feeling so you 're in combat, for example, and there 's obviously going to be some tension, some fear, and it 's heightening that fear and making them even more afraid so that way they feel compelled to run so it's it 's less about making the people feel differently than they're feeling and more just like either you know dampening emotions that you don't want them to be feeling or heightening emotions you do want them to be feeling and in this the story there's like a specific question of like well isn't that absolutely horrible you're manipulating people it's like well so is conversation Like if I, if I have a persuasive conversation and I get you to agree with me, then I did the exact same thing. I just have a, an extra, you know, ability for it. Um, how you take that up to you, but it's one way to look at it
1: and see, and now we're engaging with this game in a way that makes us reflect on our real world and our, our human condition, which is elevating this, you know, into art, which is the entire purpose. Entirely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything around College of Whispers, that's the other one in Xanathar's. That's the that's ninja like kind one, of the, right? Yeah, you can like you yeah, can do Mind that's the,
0: that's the ultimate spy one. That's the one if you want to play like a, the spy bard, the one who infiltrates and like blends in for years and years and years to manipulate things behind the scenes. It's the College of Whispers, which I think is really cool. And yeah. they have one of the coolest abilities, I think, Mantle of Whispers where when uh, someone dies within 30 feet of you, you steal their shadow and assume their form and gain their base memories.
1: (laughs) That's super cool.
2: Yeah, I played a College of Whispers assassin rogue multi-class for like a very short amount of time. And I ended up leaving the campaign after a little bit, but I do remember that DM was definitely not ready for... like, Like I told them, I tried to warn them. I was like, I'm going to be very good in combat. I'm going to do a lot of damage when I want to. And I still just don't think they were ready. Uh, that wasn't the main reason I I left, but it was definitely on the list. I was like, okay, this I'm in the wrong type of game. I do not want to ruin this for other people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I
0: find interesting here by myself, Kalja Whispers, I'm good with, even though where the Kalja glamour like, kind of just weirds me out a little bit, gives me an uneasy feeling. But I don't actually know why the one does not the other. Because the College of Whispers being able to like steal someone's form and learn their memories. Like, I mean, that, that's ultimate easy manipulation for whatever you want. And it's like, yeah, hey, whatever. But the glamour one, how that goes about it, just feels off.
1: Well, it's because in the real world. I can't pinpoint why. Yeah. In the real world, you don't go up and assassinate people on the daily basis. But in the real world, people are always trying to manipulate you. And you're always trying to persuade people to act in your interest. So the glamour bar hits a lot closer to the behavior in the real world that you're uncomfortable with. So that's what's making you, that's what's giving you yeah. pause when you play it.
0: That's a good, yeah,
2: that's beautiful. That's good. See, this is art. <laughs> is a really good Advanced
1: dungeon Man, masters.
2: It's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Then say last is in Tasha's is the most recent nope. one. that came, missed... Oh, oh, wait, sorry. There is the one in between. Yeah. Myth of Galaxy of
0: Theros um, came out after Xanathar's, um, And so I know we're going through this a bit quicker than we have in the other retrospectives, but again, these just don't, the Bard is so solid and so good from the beginning. Each new iteration, each book release is not adding any drastic changes to it. Like it has for the other classes. It's just not as much to talk about unless we just deep dive every subclass, which is not what this is about. Um yeah, the Bard College of Eloquence in Mythic Odyssey of Theros, I think is really great. I think it's a better way of handling that Glamour Bard where it's the same sort of thing. It's about the persuasion. They're the silver tongue ones, but it's not about the Glamour spells. It's not about charming them magically to force them to do things against their will. It's expertise in persuasion and
1: deception and things like that. And I think it fits the the theme a lot better too. It fills a, a better niche in the uh, in the story, right? That one who is going to be the the heroic leader or the one who can uh you know make the the the, the oration that's going to sway the minds of people, right? Get them to to, to rally or to, you know, revolt. Yeah, yeah and absolutely.
2: Yeah, you know, we we talked about that uh, the concept in in other episodes ourselves about the the idea of a party face. And it's like, well, you don't always need a party face and you know, people Everyone's going to talk, you know, but this is a class where it's like, okay, no, you've got a party face. There's, there's no way around it. I mean, the fact that at third level, when making a persuasion or deception check, you treat a roll, a a D20 roll of nine or lower as a 10. I mean, at third level, like any time a persuasion check comes up, no, you're not going to have the, the artificer do it. Who's got a minus one charisma. It's just no. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think with the elo- eloquence, I guess, reminding myself what's in
0: it here, it's why, why it lands better for me is that is most of it's, all of it except for one feature is on inspiring others. Um, the the one that's not as unsettling words and that ultimately is just, you could use your, um, expend a use of your bardic inspiration and roll that die and then the creature subtracts that from one of the saving throws before the start of your next turn. Um, the rest of it is about an, an inspiring others. It's you could um, pass your product inspiration on, think like stuff like that. If if they roll their of inspiration and it doesn't make them pass the fact, they get to still hold it. You can make anybody understand you th- things like that. It has a less creepy vibe of it, but fits the same space as clamor.
1: And I really like how it's explicitly one that's not about music, right? It's a bar that's about yes, using yes. the power of speech to stir emotion uh, instead. I forget how does. Does the college of whispers do that? It's hard to imagine like them like trying to like do 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 do. do do <laughs> <laughs> And
0: then they just stab and the king. Right. <laughs> no, I think that's another one where the performance is more abstract. The their deception that the 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 lie they live is their performance that they pull the power from. That's oh, thing. I think that's oh, a that's another. cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I do kind of also like your idea too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I would actually say that the uh, College of Whispers is almost the the actor bard. The, yes. they, they literally are putting on somebody else's face. Um, and, and that would actually be probably a, a good way to make that your character is that, you know, you're you're in a traveling troupe of actors. And that's that's your thing. Um, the funny thing about that, though, sometimes. is
3: you are actually mostly acting as a you're pretending to be a bard. <laughs> instead of being like a rogue <laughs> you're a rogue it's just say, a very funny yeah. it's a very sinister funny class to me <laughs>
1: yeah I like to maybe play uh, with it- this like, like, like a kabuki theater uh, oh. like one like a, like a whole collection of like, masks or something yeah and like the way cool. that you like you yeah. like sneak up is like, you know, very performative, like ballet, like
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're just like a street performer. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. Why are they? Oh, they're approaching me. Oh, I'm I'm part of the show. And then just they, they just die. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody in the crowd is like, oh, wow, this show is really good. This is interesting. Look at those <laughs> effects. How'd they
1: do that? No, I was thinking more like the, the, the magic is like in uh, is encoded in like your special movements. Right. Like that's why yes. they dance that right. way, because it gives them the right. power of invisibility.
2: Definitely cool. no. I, yeah. I love that. Oh. <laughs> Back to the different part. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. No, I'm I'm just now say imagining all the like yeah different basically dance moves before you then cast your spell. It's it's a cool thought.
0: It is, yeah.
2: Um, what's next on the list? Because I know that College okay. of Spirits is in there somewhere.
0: That was the most recent one. That came out okay. after Tasha's. Okay. So yeah, after that was Tasha's.
2: Uh, with Tasha's just re-released Eloquence from mm-hmm. Odysseys of Theros, and then also added the College of Creation, um, which we have like a whole deep dive on. If you want to hear us get like super into the mechanics, it's a bit of a weird class, um, but it's it's definitely unique.
0: Yeah, it's and it, it, it's another one where you could say, oh, it's the Bardy Bard. <laughs> because, like, they're the one, they like the bait in the base flavor text in fifth edition of a bard. It talks about their magic comes from pulling it out of the song creation, and that's what the bard creation does. That's like that's what right. they call Creation they focus on that and just really hone in on it. Um, so I guess maybe that's kind of a theme to tie every. I, I'm not gonna say, I'm not, I'm not gonna try and force it on all of them, but a lot of the bard subclasses they look like, all right, bards are these jack of all trades. So like let's make a subclass for each trade and like really take it to the extreme. That
2: yeah, no, that's true. And yeah, we've talked about that with like the with our fighter retro recently, where we are long past the days of ever seeing a fighter that isn't magical in some way. You know, like we're seeing the Echo Knights, we see Rune Knights, we see all of these things where it's like, okay, that's that's just a magic fighter. You've made another magic fighter, which. Good or bad, not important, but the bard were were this far in and we're still seeing like niches that you could have probably done before, but you're getting a specific subclass for it. I mean, I could have made the College of Creation subclass and and whatever character theme I had and just called it a lore bard. And, you know, I probably would have had fun. But the fact that they're still able to take these kind of base ideas of what people consider a bard and and extrapolate is really interesting.
1: Oh yeah, like absolutely. I I thought it was sort of like the the Fantasia bar. That's what I've read it as. Like the the wizard in Fantasia is not a wizard at all, but like he's conducting um, the orchestra and that's making all the stuff happen. Word.
0: Yes. Oh man. With the, like the dancing and mops and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, exactly. And you know, yeah. Either, yeah, exactly, there's still plenty of room to fill really niche subclasses off for the bard and, you know, previous stuff to come. We got three of them in the book. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: Nice. Yeah yeah just real quick um, like since we do have that video the College of Creation is about creation it's it's ultimately like really trying to recreate in a small scale what the Song of Creation did and so they do things like their Bardic Inspiration could like summon these motes in and when someone uses it it has different effects and then they can make uh, mundane objects appear they can animate things and there's this whole stat block and stuff like that so it's neat it's it's not my favorite. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah <laughs> personally. I think, like, mechanically, it's like if, if it's middling again, it's another one of those middling ones. It's not terrible. I, I think I would need to see it in play to really get a good sense of it. And I haven't seen it yet.
2: Yeah, but I guess one of the things I'll say is that at this point of being, you know, seven years into to D&D 5e, the idea that they can. Kind of be a little bit more experimental with some of the bard subclasses to me is a a good thing. They've got good ones. There's there's spaces there for if you just want the mechanically powerful one. But if you want to play something that's more creation focused, you can do it. It's here. I do think that's one that you need to talk to your DM with and make sure you're both on the same page because there's it's a lot super, of super gray areas.
1: Yeah, this is the bard that would not fit in every campaign because it, it turns into a Disney character, right? If you want to be the Beauty and yeah. the Beast bard, like oh, this wardrobe's going to come to life and fight for me, like yep. this is what you do. Right like in every fight, I think it
0: is worth <laughs> pointing out. All bards get the spell animate object. That is, uh, true. I think it's a fifth level spell, so it's higher. So, and I, I've used that to great effect. It's a really awesome spell. <laughs> Um,
3: thematically that it's is true similar, that is but true but in practice it's always rocks it's just a bunch of rocks
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah the creation part is just kind of one that just codifies it like here's you get it earlier because it's a fifth level spell so you don't get it until ninth so like if very much earlier on they could kind of bring the stuff out spending a fifth level spell slot so it definitely has its uses but yeah in my mind it's because of animate object and it being such an awesome spell I I connect bards to that because it's a it's a go to pick for
2: me if we get that high. Isn't that like it can be like a wizard spell though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, it's, okay. Um,
0: I have it up. There. Bard, sorcerer, wizard, artificer, and then forged on main cleric. So it's definitely not a bard only spell, but that's the only time I've seen it, oddly enough.
2: Hmm. Well, then yeah. that's that's just on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right last and last I had a good segue oh, you, but then we oh. like
0: got on a little tangent here so back to what you said about like they're getting more experimental and if talking about experimental bards in van richten guides to ravenloft we now have the college of spirits and this is a weird one when I said there's only one bad bard I forgot about this one
2: <laughs> yeah another one that we have a full deep dive on whatever um I'm I'm happy that this was created and I, I think that that's This is the era we're in right now. We're in the experimental bard phase because they're like, okay, we've we've made all of the like the solid classes. What do we do now? And here we go. College of Spirits. And it's, you know, it's an archetype I'd never thought of for a bard. The the concept of somebody who is a fortune teller um, is is the vibe you get and being able to communicate with the dead and and things of that nature. I mean, it's it's definitely out there. it's a weird
0: one. This is the one where, where we were saying a lot of the other subclasses You can pick like an aspect of the core bard and then like takes it up to the next level. This one doesn't. It just does its own thing, and it's like I kind of love it for that, but it, it is it is weird. It needs to be the right setting, the right campaign, the right player who's going to really play it up and take advantage of it. I mean, in, book. it's in a. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, it is in a specialty book. <laughs> I guess in the Raven Law this would probably work super well.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, I I think having the
1: seance I, class is cool. I like it. It is. It yeah. is really cool.
2: I, I wish it was better in terms of just
1: not even I power.
2: I just, I just don't love the the tales from beyond because it has randomness. I'm not big on randomness in classes, just because I feel like you're always expecting it to be this like wide array of things that you're like, oh, one combat I'll have this, and one day I'll have this. But in reality, you just you know, you roll the same thing two days in a row, and you're like, oh, I didn't like that yesterday, and I'm right. probably not gonna like it again today. Um, I, I think Wild Magic sir, Sorcerer
0: in my mind is the only time they did that well because it was a d100 table. <laughs> right Uh, since then no yeah it hasn't been done well
2: so that's all of the the subclasses um and 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 bards up to present day that's the
0: most recent one it's they they definitely don't have as many subclasses as a lot of other ones but again they just don't need it they're all there's so much you could do with the base bard and so many directions you could go and different subclasses to pursue to get your little niche and and I'm so, happy with where they're at. I, I know we're definitely going to dive into what you did, Zep, about in your book. I mean, I'm curious to see all the details of what's in there. Because in my mind, I'm thinking of this like, yeah, Bards are great. I don't want to change it. But obviously, there's always things can always be improved, added on. And so I'm just excited for that discussion.
2: Different. Um, and I think that's that's yeah. important, too. Because, uh, I mean, it obviously, the Bard has been so many different things from its original inception um in in terms of things that we'd you know like to see in the future for the bard i feel like i i want to see more of this weirdness from wizards of the coast and i'm definitely on board for for more odd subclasses i know that for anybody who's watched our college of spirits episode we absolutely (laughs) just dunk all over this class in terms of (laughs) mechanics but i love the flavor and i wanted to love it so much um but the abilities uh, are kind it, of it crap. Just,
1: they, they really right. are. Right, abilities
2: just kind of crap. But, yeah. but in regards to like just oddness and and trying very different things for this class, I I think that this is the perfect experimental ground. Um, and the only things that I really care about in like a, a if I, they made a totally new bard rework, literally all I want to see is counter charm made different. Um, and my hot take is that I don't think that additional magical secrets should be able to get spells off of half caster lists. I don't like that they get Aura of Vitality and I don't like that they get Steel Wind Strike. Those are those are for right, those are like Rangers and Paladins. 17th
0: level spells, yeah.
2: Aura of Vitality is only 3rd level. Um, so right. it's not crazy high, but it still is like it's a ninth level Paladin spell that Bards are able to get at 5th level and it's like a super good healing spell that I feel like Paladins normally have to commit a lot into in order to get, but they just kind of can pick it up easy peasy.
0: And it's six, by the way. That's when they get the first magical secrets, but for lore, fifth, Bard's.
2: But yeah. Oh, oh, yes. You're right. You're right because at fifth level, they obviously can't.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but I'm interested to hear about Zip. What you think about the Bard? And and you know, future, sure, but also, I guess, what you know, you you've done an entire class rework, N- not to to not beat around the bush here. So obviously there's something about the bard that either didn't connect with you in fifth edition or, or you just, I don't know, wanted to do something else. So, so what I'll start with that. What drove you to make a different bard?
1: All right. So Galdr's Gazetteer is a book for advanced players, right? I said, you know, fifth edition has been out for a while. Let's see if we can uh, do something different. So in the book, there are four new actions that characters can take. There are seven new conditions that are added to the game, things like doomed or dulled or uh, rested. And there are a bunch of uh, martial options that are core into the game. Anyone who has the extra attack feature can get these these martial actions, right? Instead of taking your extra attack, you do something different, like you drive your spear deeper or you make an expert snipe, something like that. And so if we're going to have all these new additions, like four new core actions, uh, seven new core conditions, uh, let's see what else we can do. That was my... We're gonna need uh we're gonna need some class structures that can support this uh this part of the expansion. Secondly, uh, people always freaking rework the ranger right. Like there have been a bazillion <laughs> ranger weeworks out there, right? The Ranger class is okay. It's you know people like it. Uh, if just half of that creative energy was put into anything else, just imagine what we could have. Uh, so in this book, there are lots of variant classes, right? Took like the idea of okay, instead of just reworking the ranger, let's see what else we can rework and we'll come up with. So my inspiration was, okay, let's go through the history of the bard, think about what people uh, have in their head of what a bard should be and see what else we can do with it. Um, so the way these variant classes work is at the start, say, okay, these are the features you do not get in the core class. So this bard, you are no longer getting Jack of all trades. You are no longer getting song of rest and you are no longer getting counter charm in your core class.
2: This is where we ooh and r get mad. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you want, right? I, no, that's I,
3: ooh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you're still getting no. your
1: bardic inspiration. You are still getting uh, your expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're still getting your magical secrets. And you're still yeah, getting the obviously way, no. Yeah, you're still getting the, the progression of your bardic inspiration. Like you get better at it, yada yada.
2: Right. And looking at right. those, those are like the, the first three. I'd be like, yeah, okay, those seem pretty reasonable to mm-hmm. to swap out. I mean, if you're if you're going to obviously counter churn we've already talked about song of rest. We even said it's like, eh, it's okay.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, and so mm-hmm. then they the,
2: see you made the bard a half caster,
1: and that's too. the other thing, right? But I also took away half yeah. of your casting, right? You were no longer getting ninth <laughs> level spells. All right, so what can what can we do here to to make up for that, right? Uh, Because, you know, bard casting, you know, earth shattering, you know, earthquakes and, you know, shifting the the course of the universe is not something that everyone thinks of. Uh, So what else else can we do here? Uh, The main thing here is we added something called bardic performance. So what a bardic performance is, is you can start playing a performance as an action and it continues going for 10 minutes. And you can switch your performance as an action. And so what a performance is, is, is an ongoing effect that does not require your concentration. And it's on a 10-minute recharge. So once your performance ends, you have to wait 10 minutes and you can start it up again. But it provides, like, continuous support to all of your party without you necessarily concentrating on a spell. So you can do your performance while casting something else that's requiring uh, your concentration.
2: And I'm sure that uh, it was kind of difficult to... Uh we'll say balance around because with spells a lot of times it's easy to say it's like well you know but it's all you can concentrate on so it's not that overpowered or whatever um i guess i'm I'm sure there was a lot of thought that went into that idea of you know how how strong can we make these abilities without uh you know stepping on on concentration spells or i guess concentration abilities when you're uh, basically concentrating on it.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. But it's one of those rare situations where uh, one character is going to be able to provide two buffs at the same time. And we'll get into what those okay. performances look That's like cool. uh, just in a second.
0: Um, yeah. I say if there's one class that could do that, the bard being it makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so the cool thing is you can start your performance like right before you kick down the door, right? And so it's you spent your action doing that and then you kick down the door and then you can start fighting and then use your other your full action to do other stuff. And so the other really big uh, sort of bit of utility piece in this bard is the fifth edition ability, uh, Martial Fanfare. You're a half caster now, so I have to give you something else at uh, fifth level to sort of push it up. And what Martial Fanfare does is when you take the help action, uh, you can grant the advantage to an ally up to 60 feet away. And then you can make a weapon attack or cast a cantrip as part of the same action. Okay. Right, and so it routes through That's the health cool. action, so you're not going to worry about stacking, stacking with extra attack, uh, but still allows you to do like a little bonus something uh, on there too.
2: Man, doing that with dissonant whispers means you're you're basically able to give advantage on your side and disadvantage on the other side. Potentially, I mean every round, right? There's no mm-hmm. limit to that. It definitely fits into the support role. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and then the other really big uh, utility piece. Is this idea of converse performance? So, we talked about earlier in the podcast how bards, you know, being the counter magic, the counterspeller, has sort of seeped into our popular imagination with bards are. And so, converse performance really leads into that. Um, if you are engaged in performance, or you can start one if you want, you can cast counterspell. Um, and if you successfully counter the spell, your performance ends. And you can add your proficiency bonus to the role you make when doing counterspell. So you're hands down the best anti-magic person. Uh, and all that costs you is your performance, which is a regainable resource. And your performance only ends, uh, you, only, uh, you only lose the feature if the counterspell works. So it's a, it's, okay. a, it's a zero risk thing, in other words. Okay, and this is a once per long rest? Yes, lunch, once per long rest, and yeah. then as you level up, you can do it twice at the 11th level and then three times at 17th.
0: Okay, so like a free powerful counterspell.
1: Yeah. With the performance ending.
0: Okay. Yep. So those are the, the three that things fits, that we yeah. gave you
1: for taking away your ninth level spells. We gave you right. this uh, superior form of uh, counterspelling, which is sort of baked into your class identity. So it's not eating up your magical secrets anymore. We gave you martial fanfare, which is when you help you get a weapon attack or a cantrip. And we gave you overall these uh, these big performances, which we're going to dive into in uh, just a second. Those are, the, those are the big three things. Does that sound – was that worth it to you folks? What do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, Oh,
0: yeah, it's ahead. cool. It's definitely a different take on, on the bard. Um I <laughs> I get squirmy when I see their half casters if I might oh that's like the big thing of the bard, but it's definitely some powerful stuff that you're adding back to it. So it's definitely a I, I like the take, just a whole different new take on the class to kind of like focus in on certain aspects.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's i I'm not saying this is better or necessarily like the only bar that there should be. Like, you know, a lot of people try to do with the Ranger. I'm trying to say this is a whole different way of thinking of it. Right.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, you said it earlier that... I want to try it. (laughs) That idea of just, like, you know, if... You need people to try new things and, like, try to make new things. It it doesn't always... this is, makes it sound like I'm talking about this quality, but I'm not. Um, but that idea of like, it doesn't need to be better, but the idea of like trying something new, you'll never have something better unless people are trying new things for these different classes and, and everything. And that's say I right off the gate though. I mean, I'm, I'm loving the idea of how support focused this feels. Um, I do not, I, I mentioned earlier, I don't love bards being full casters because oh my god, we just spent an hour talking about how good they are. Do they also need ninth level spells? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, this, well, this, I, I know, I know. I'm, yeah, I please, say their casting
0: is <laughs> what makes them good. Yes,
2: I say, please don't dig into that too much, yeah. but the, just the the overall idea of, you know, this the making them extra supporty in different ways is it's a unique take. I like it.
1: Alright, so the and here are the, the, the two sort of like ribbon pieces, right? Something that I added in there that's not necessarily, uh, you know, sort of like a core power thing, but sort of like fits the role. The first one is this idea of folklore repertoire. So you remember we took away your jack of all trades ability. And so what folklore repertoire does is, do I know about this thing? You roll a D100, and if you roll under three times your bar level, you do know the thing. It might be contained in like a like a poem, or it's like, it's as though the legend lore spell went off for you.
3: This is okay. this is one of the it's few cool. things that 3.5 had that 5th doesn't that bothers me. Yeah. And I'm so glad to see it back. This is one of my favorite just mm-hmm. dumb random abilities of any class. It's like, do I know this thing and you get to roll and the DM tells you <laughs> yes or no. Exactly. <laughs> and so yeah. so here's something I want to put on cuz it's sort of a, a subtlety here.
1: The difference between this having a, this ability and just saying, hey, do I know this thing? And the DM saying, okay, make an intelligence roll or, you know, make a religion roll or whatever, is this empowers the player. The DM cannot say, no, you don't know. It's beyond your ability to roll. To say, no, I do have a chance of knowing this thing. It's, uh, it's putting the player back in the, the, the focus of it, which I think is sort of uh, cool for a bard. You do have a chance of knowing, you know, some random lore, no matter what.
2: Right. They, yeah, they are the ones Italian. who would know esoteric lore.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the biggest disappointment for me in the lore bard is there's no lore in the lore bard. Just... <laughs> oh,
1: man. They should have like, yeah, I got like automatic expertise in like one of the, the knowledge goes like religion or arcana or something like that. And so the other like sort of yeah. minor uh, tacked on piece to this bard is that 15th level you can cast glibness without expending a spell slot. Because it's a half caster, you would never get to cast glibness, and that's like sort the bard spell. So I had to find a way to sort of hardwire it into the mechanics anyway, so we get a backdoor in.
0: Right, glibness being an eighth level spell, mm-hmm. uh, hour duration. When you roll a charisma check, you could replace the rear roll
1: with a fifteen. Yeah, and the you're, people can't tell if you're if you're lying to them. Oh yeah. So yeah, classic that's bard spell. spell. Yeah. Uh, I had to find yes. a, a way to give you to give it to you. Yep. All right, so real fast, let's dive into what these performances look like. I know that the the audience can't see, um, so I was going to give you a... some of them can. It well, depends. If, if, if it's you're on YouTube, on... I'll put yeah. them up
0: on the screen. Excellent. Yes. Yeah.
1: All right, so when you start uh, the bard, you get two performances, and then at the you gain more as you level up. Um, I think you end up knowing like five or six of them, uh, and the basic one is call to battle. When you perform call to battle, allies within sixty feet of you, including yourself. Are are inspired to fight with greater zeal, and they get to add a d4 when rolling damage to their melee or ranged attacks. And the damage goes up when you level up. It goes to d6 at six, the d8 at ninth, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, ending at a d12 at seventeenth level. So all of your allies on all of their attacks are adding that d4 for damage. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Yep. That's that's cool.
0: That's very party. Very yeah. Very kind of classic, kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: much, much more useful. I mean, comparing it to like we're talking College of Valor, where it's like your entire bardic inspiration used to add on average, like three and a half damage. It's like, hey, eh, that's not really too interesting. But this,
1: right.
2: yes, adding an extra damage die is totally fine here.
1: Yeah. Yes. Every Over sing- time that adds a lot. Yep. Every single turn, everyone's remembering, oh, my gosh, I'm adding extra damage because the bard is performing because uh, my, right. my allies is helping me out. Uh,
2: your blessed de- blessed damage
1: yep see now uh, another one that sort of touches on there you go the ones that we were talking about uh, inspire resolve your words and music fill your companions with courage and the will to resist mind-altering effects while using this performance each friendly creature within 60 feet of you has advantage on saving throws against being charmed or frightened that's the, uh, that's, the, that's how we did the, the counter curse. As long as you use right. this performance, and, and they automatically yeah. have advantage as long as they can hear you performing or see you performing.
2: And, yeah, you know, that's, that's you know maybe something you don't know you need right from the start. Uh, mm-hmm. Remind me, switching one of these performances, what does that take? It's
1: an action, right? Okay. Yep, so you can start a performance as an action. It lasts 10 minutes. You can switch any time to a new performance as an action. And then once it ends, you have a 10-minute cool-off period before you can start a new one. So it's not limited to times per day. It's, uh, it's like uh, per encounter limited. Yeah. It's right. a per Okay.
2: So reminds me a lot of using the hunting horn in Monster Hunter, which is anyone has. And no, I don't think, have you played Monster Hunter Zipper? No, Zipper no, on? no. That's fine. Okay. It's, it's basically a giant horn that you swing around And, like, if you pull off certain combos, you buff your allies for, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, something like that. And the entire idea is you're trying to, like, chain these combos and switch between them based on how the battle is going. Um, So it it kind of is fitting into this.
1: Yeah. So definitely, (laughs) definitely. And so some of these other performances allow you to sort of cast versions of a spell, but a special version of the spell. Or a a spell with a twist on like You can do one that confuses your enemies, but you get to choose the uh, condition of confusion. Hmm. There's one uh, where you cast anti-magic field, but the anti-magic field is centered on you. You can move around with it. Uh,
0: Ooh, that's good. Yeah.
1: There's a dissipating performance, which gives you the the spell magic. Again, we're really leaning into this. uh, You're the anti-magic character in the group. It's sort of a new role for you, in addition to being support. Uh... And just a few others I want to highlight here because I think they're fun. I think they're higher level ones. There's the enhanced presentation. Your master's showmanship causes your spells to have an enhanced effect. You can start this performance or switch to it as part of casting a bard spell. When you use your enhanced presentation, if you cast a bard spell by expanding a spell slot, you choose one style listed below to affect the spell. It's essentially meta magic. You can do an encore performance. with the spell has a duration of one minute, you can extend the duration to another one. You can do a mindful performance that can give a creature automatically saves on the throw, You can do a projecting performance that makes your uh, spell go longer, et cetera, et cetera. Sort of cool things like that. There's the stupendous improvisation where you can just choose any spell 6th level or lower to cast. Like that's your performance. You decide this spell that's on my class list that I don't know, I'm still going to cast it anyway. Oh, man. Right? And then there's one called Fascinating Performance, which is really kind of fun. Uh, Everyone within 120 feet just has to look at you. They can't look away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like if you hurt them or cast another spell or you know you mess with them in any way, it ends. But as long as you're doing that, they just can't look away.
2: It's definitely useful, that and it its uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that almost seems more like an an out of combat one, which I mean, that's great. I mean, that's
1: right.
2: Always love when they have uses in and out of combat. Yeah. yeah. So there's
1: you know like a dozen, maybe fifteen of these uh, performances that you have uh, for this bard. So you have lots of options to do things to to affect the battlefield, buff your party. That does not eat away at your uh, at your
3: concentration. Yeah, yeah. you know that's great this game. looks like. Mm-hmm. This looks like the invocation list on warlocks. And what have we all agreed <laughs> as Dungeons and Dragons experts is the problem with almost every class in the game? <laughs> it's that it's not a warlock. No, that's not specifically it. Yeah. No, we came yes. to that consensus last yes. <laughs> time. I'm pretty sure. But this, I, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> it, it looks like a warlock uh, invocation list. And that's why I love it, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say but any, for all our other retrospectives, like and, and just in general, throughout the three years of the show, we bring that up a lot where things we would love to see are invocations modeled for other classes and some things kind of do it. And here we have it for the Bard.
1: Yeah. It you use, because I love that. Yeah. Options to choose yeah, exactly the what you want. Option. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the, uh, that, that's, that's the variant bard that I put in here. That's sort of my take of a different way we can sort of imagine this class. I think it hits uh, a lot of the key aspects that we want, right? It, they're performing, obviously. Uh, they have a bunch of cool knowledge. They have that folklore rep- repertoire thing. Um, And they have this anti-magic uh, sort of counterspell, I'm going to mess up my enemy spellcasters because I can control the weave with my passion uh, sort of thing, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah.
2: Also does a good job of of making of giving the visual of them singing or playing or doing whatever their performance is throughout mm-hmm. the entire battle at all times.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. All right, uh, and just yeah, that's fun, I like to the sort-
3: flavor. Like what we were saying, the flavor of the bard often falls flat because you cast the spell and you're like, "All right, how's that bard?" And he's like, "I did it with a loot." This it's <laughs> they did it with a loot, right? Right. <laughs>
2: It's, it's the same thing but more emphasis <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right and i guess we're going have time here i sort of want to touch on the the three subclasses that i put in here too um so we have a college of fame bard which is you know you're like a social media star bard like people know who you are <laughs> <laughs> okay uh it has this cool feature that's cool uh, hold on i want to uh it's actually called influencer um, you oh, as an action, you can speak your name to a creature that <laughs> shares a language with you, and magically try to influence them. <laughs> then they make a wisdom saving throw, <laughs> and if they fail, you have advantage on all uh, christmas checks against them. So you tell this person, "Do you know who I am?" And you say your name, and they're like so stunned by who you are, you have <laughs> advantage on it, like magically, like your name carries power, literally.
2: Well, that seems pretty fitting. Again, for. Bards, you have the College of, or you know, not the College of Creation. Sorry, uh, tapping into the weave, so to speak. I mean, you right. you could literally inject magic into your name. Yeah, so yeah. I like
1: that. Uh, their other yeah. ability is called Posse. It makes your allies better. <laughs> of course, <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta real, have your posse. Yeah, they <laughs> roll like one or two on the Bardic Inspiration. They can reroll the die. Just a just a fun name to yeah, have, Posse. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. there's a, a College of the Playwright, which I think is kind of a cool, uh, uh, cool bard. Like you write inspiring speeches. When,
2: when would a bard and playwright ever be associated together? That's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> right? Hello? Seven years in, folks. Come on. Right. Uh, let's see this idea. See I want to read the, the flavor text here. By writing epic poems, heroic stories, cutting satires, and stirring oration, these bards unleash the magic of dramatic or comedic performances through the spoken word. Uh so you write your speech down, and it essentially stores the bardic inspiration on that speech. And a creature can read it whenever they want to, not within that 10-minute time frame. Okay. Which is kind of cool. That's sort of uh, their thing. Very cool. Uh, and the third subclass here is, is called the College of Spoons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was looking at that.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of background on uh, on Galdars Gazetteer. It was uh, crowdfunded. And it is about this mm. wizard uh, Galder, who is the NPC, or the the character of a boy named uh, Lawrence, who sadly died of cancer. And so the book is framed as his wizard going to all these different worlds, uh, collecting their stories. Uh, and so we had submitters, uh, people who backed the Kickstarter, give us their ideas for classes. And this one came out of the idea of College of Spoons, and they gave no context for why it was called Spoons. <laughs> And so here, sensitive content warning, I sort of <laughs> interpreted as spoon is your erotic dancing ability. So this, <laughs> oh. is, the, yeah. so this is the spoon who I, I... may or may not be a prostitute. Uh, and we can look at the art. It's like, you know, uh, a belly dancer, right? So you can look at With it spoon, like, literally just holding a little spoon. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, spoons the tassels, they jingle when they dance. Uh, and so this bard, uh, she can do an alluring dance that you know makes people have to look at them. Uh, she so can do an emboldening dance that makes everyone fight harder. They can do a feverish dance. You're, you dance yourself into a wild frenzy of unbridled passion. If, now the expense of your bridal inspiration dice, and adds it to an attacker damage roll, you can also add half the result to your own roll of the same kind for the end of your next turn. So you get a buff yourself. Uh, they have the hypnotic sway; folks can't look away. And then they have the burning temptation at fourth level your grace is irresistible and your spoonie mastery complete
2: <laughs> everything worth it this entire book for that one sentence
1: <laughs> yeah uh so yeah it's, it's the it's the sexy dancing bar which i don't think we've uh, had before and it's kind of fun
2: <laughs> did you take this back to the person who suggested that and show it to them and you're just like this is what your suggestion got
1: us thank you uh, they haven't commented angrily on my twitter yet so i guess it's okay <laughs> Again, you know, it could be read just as you know, just a, a normal dancer, but it could also be read as a you know, mildly doing sex work, which is kind of, if you want to have that theme, I you, here's the option for it.
3: Yeah, I, I legitimately thought it was going to gonna be spoons, like yeah, yeah, just yeah somebody playing just spoons. playing the spoons, yeah. just yeah. playing the spoons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it went with a different direction. Very <laughs> yeah, <it> okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do feel. Oh, the man. your, your subplots do hit ones that have not been out yet in fifth edition mm-hmm. the, the writer yeah, the-, the one where it's just like a focused on their extreme fame and then the dancer mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah yeah. again th- those are really clear barred niches and i'm kind of surprised i mm-hmm. haven't uh, seen them yet because they are a little less magical they're not like you know college of glamour college of shadows they rely on sort of this uh more subtle you know lord of the ring sorcery style magic
2: yeah which is very fitting once you Turn the class into a half caster as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's makes tons of sense. Yeah. Uh, and those subclasses, as well as the entire class and many other classes, can be found in Galder's Gazetteers. And you said, a hundred percent of the proceeds go to the Cancer Research
1: Institute. Yeah. So far, we've raised almost fifteen thousand dollars. I think.
2: Wow, that's awesome. That's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we'll make sure we have links to all that in the description.
2: Definitely.
0: For both podcast and
2: YouTube. Um, well, I think that's that, we're I reaching think the end, right? Yeah, the Bard, yeah.
1: Well, well, well thank talk. you so much for having me. This was very uh, enlightening. I had a lot of fun here.
2: Yeah, thanks so much yeah, for joining us. This it was, was really great. Really yeah. great. And uh, as usual, if uh, you want to support the show on our side, you can go to all of our social medias monsters in multi-class uh make sure to subscribe on youtube or uh follow subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use uh and zipper on before i go into like our our other random details go ahead and and plug your stuff go for it yeah
1: again uh check out my youtube channel uh, at zipper on disney for advanced dungeon master tips uh and really sort of uh zoning in on a bigger picture of what the game could be and what role playing games could be and again if you like this anything that we talked about, this is only one of, you know, 50 classes, a whole GM toolkit, and two adventures that are in this beautiful book, uh, Guller's Gazetteer, available in hardcover or PDF on RPG.
2: Awesome. And thank you as always to our, our patrons, Ed G, Muddleweight, Brian H, Craig A, Isaac M, Jeff W, Luca L, Star Shinobi, Vincent M, Bob F, Joe P, Rick D, Sentinel D20, Adam A, and Rob K. You all are absolutely awesome and definitely no no sponsor for this episode it's just go check out go almost said gazeter's galder i almost mixed it around (laughs) go check out galder's gazetteer
0: yeah and as always thanks for watching